0: Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week, I turn to the words of Scripture and to the principles of our faith for guidance and inspiration. This week, I'm going to be continuing a series aimed at helping us truly appreciate the good news of Easter, which is fast approaching. In particular, I'm going to focus on hope, a central part of the Easter message, my Bible reference for today comes from Romans 8, where Paul writes, We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Here ends the reading. Hope is a spiritual gift or a spiritual tool. If we're to believe Paul, it's among the top three gifts we receive from God. He says at the end of his famous teaching on love in Corinthians, Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest is love. If hope is second to love, then it's a close second. An anonymous author once wrote, A person can live forty days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Hope is also beginning to reveal its value in scientific studies. Among young adults with chronic illnesses, greater degrees of hope are associated with improved coping, well-being, and engagement in healthy behaviors. It also protects us against depression and suicide. Among teens, hope is linked with health, quality of life, self-esteem, and a sense of purpose. It is an essential factor for developing both maturity and resilience. To get a clear idea of why hope is so important, think about what life would be without it. If life is truly hopeless, then what do we got to live for? The opposite of hope is despair. The realm of despair is the fate of the lost and the suicidal. For the hopeless person, the future is bleak. The mantra of the hopeless is ultimately Ultimately, life's a struggle, and then you die. Objectively, that statement is true. All of our lives are filled with struggles of various kinds. We struggle to put food on the table. We struggle with our human relationships. We often struggle with our health, etc., etc. And ultimately, we can be assured that in the end, we will die. But the hidden power of hope is that it helps us look at the same future through different eyes. The eyes of hope allow us to see the future feeling that circumstances will improve. The struggles of life that lie ahead of us are seen as challenges that we can overcome and even attain a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment in the process. Although we know our life's journey will lead to death, hope allows us to reframe even the end of our lives. For us as Christians, Easter allows us a radical reframing. Easter is all about hope, it's about resurrection and new life. One of the tricky things about hope is that it involves things unseen. In our reading from today, Paul said, Hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Hope produces joyful expectation. Hope that is seen is just a fact. I remember one Christmas as a kid, I wanted a working rocket launcher set that included all the toy military equipment and plastic soldiers that I needed to wage a full-scale battle on my living room carpet. Today, I kind of shiver at the message that all those warlike toys conveyed to a child, but those were different days. My parents provided our family with security and all the necessities of life, but this was a pretty expensive toy. I feared that it lay beyond the modest means of our family. And our budget but I had hope boy did I have hope for months before Christmas I pored over the Spiegel catalog piling hope upon hope that that giant box housing my Mattel miniature armaments would appear under the Christmas tree I can only describe my feelings as creative anticipation toward the middle of December My curiosity got the best of me. One day, when my parents were not at home, I set out on a reconnaissance mission. The box was too big to fit under a bed. A quick search of our basement came up empty, but then I struck gold. In my parents' closet, hidden beneath an old quilt that my grandmother had made, sat the object of my search. There it was, the rocket launcher set. I carefully replaced the quilt and never let on that I'd spoiled my Christmas surprise. One of the unexpected results of my discovery was that it did destroy my hope. Although I was unaware of Paul's teaching at the time, I had verified what he said in Romans. Hope that is seen is not hope. In the process of my discovery, I'd robbed myself of that joyful anticipation of Christmas morning. Don't get me wrong, it was great unwrapping that big box that had mysteriously appeared under the tree on Christmas Eve, and many battles raged on in my living room theater of operations, but in its fulfillment, my hope was exhausted. One of the things that this admittedly trivial example shows is that hope has the power to bring the joy of a possible future into the present you may have experienced a similar phenomenon planning a vacation trip planning and looking forward to a trip is half the fun maybe more than half the fun fortunately life is filled with unlimited opportunities for hope one of the things that i've learned about hope is it's very versatile Sometimes, when our hopes are dashed, and they often are, it's necessary to refocus the object of our hope. When I worked as a home hospice volunteer caregiver, I was assigned to a client who'd been diagnosed with an untreatable form of cancer. Alice was a 70-year-old active woman. The first time after I visited her, she and her husband invited me to sit at her kitchen table for coffee and cookies, And after some pleasantries, Jim, her husband, cut to the chase, so to speak. We're going to beat this thing, he said emphatically. I told them, we don't need hospice. Jim still held out hope for a cure. From his perspective as a loving spouse of over 40 years, his anticipated future was a miraculous cure. That hope kept him going from day to day. Hope, combined with a little bit of defiant anger, served him well at the time. Now, Alice never challenged Jim's hope. However, I could see in her kind yet tired smile that her hope took a different shape. When Jim, overcome by emotion, excused himself from the table and went in the other room, she defined her hope as enjoying the time that she had left with Jim and helping him to accept and adjust to life without her. Jim and Alice's hopes were different, but unseen. Alice's disease progressed rapidly. When I visited her two weeks later, Jim led me to her bedside, where she lay quietly breathing into an oxygen mask, which fogged and cleared in rhythm with her shallow breathing. Jim sat with me at her side, and I could tell that the focus of his hope had shifted. That's about, that's the thing about hope. It's resilient. Instead of being dispo- disappointed, it can be redirected. Jim's hope had now merged with Alice's, and they spent their few remaining weeks together, thankful for a lifetime of love. Alice died peacefully. Jim mourned deeply. But their hope, did not disappoint. Sometimes hope also has the power to help people keep going. Another hospice client that I visited hoped that she would live to see her granddaughter get married. The wedding was over six months away, and it was questionable whether she would be able to make it that long. Well, she not only lived that long, she bought a new dress and walked down the aisle to be seated in a place of honor in the front of the sanctuary. I visited her shortly after the wedding, and she proudly talked about her how her hope had been fulfilled. But you know, she said, I still have another granddaughter to get married. Her hope just kept her going. These are just a few anecdotes about hope from my experience. I'm sure that you can think of your own. But where does it come from? Where does hope come from? Why do some people have hope while others despair? Well, the short answer is that hope is a spiritual gift from God. It's something which we all have access to. There are some specific things that we can do to access that gift of hope. There are things that we can do to choose hope and nurture it in our lives. First, we can start by practicing gratitude. Spending a few minutes each day recounting the positive in one's life, even small ones like noticing a moment of serenity in the sunshine or the endorphins of a brisk walk around your neighborhood, can have an enormous impact. They help you see the world in a different way. It's easy to take the good things in life for granted. Look around you. You'll see many reasons to celebrate life and reasons to hope for the future. Another thing that we can do to encourage hopefulness in ourselves is to consciously avoid the negative. You've probably noticed that media news broadcasts on TV or the internet focus almost exclusively on bad news. One news show that I watch dedicates about the last two minutes to a feel-good story of the day. That means we get 20 minutes of bad news compared to 2 minutes of good. At the end of the news show, you're likely to feel that there is not much hope for the world. But that's a distortion. By limiting ourselves to how much intake of the news cycle we get daily can allow more room for hope in our lives. It also might be helpful for you to look around at some of the challenges that you do face in life and see if you can come up for some reasons to have hope. For example, say that you're having a hard time with someone at work. Your relationship is causing you a lot of stress. Stress. See if you can enumerate some things that you could do to have hope for an improved working relationships. With hope in the picture, you can go to work with a better attitude and thereby increase the chances that things will get better instead of just going in discouraged and resolved that things will never get better. If you are facing a health problem, even a serious one, look for reasons for hope. Perhaps you have hope for a cure for disease. Short of that, it may be realistic to hope for the ability to receive some relief so that you can manage your condition and go on with life. There is power in positive thinking we can begin to actively envision realistic ways that our circumstances may improve. Pain and discomfort often subside. Even deep sorrows can pass with time. In all these cases, the action to embrace is to choose to be mindful and deliberate about fostering positivity, even in the face of its absence. When things seem most hopeless, it's time to turn to God in prayer. Pray for God to infuse you with a hopeful spirit. You might pray something like this. Dear God, please give me hope in times of uncertainty and despair. Help me to trust in you and to have faith that everything will work for the good. Give me the strength and courage to face each day with positivity and determination, knowing that your love and grace will carry me through. Amen. Well, let's talk about the ultimate hope, the hope upon which all other hope depends, the Easter hope, the hope of resurrection from the dead. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for only this life we have hoped in Christ, we are of all most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of all those who have died. And we, too, will be raised. Only in our hope of the resurrection from the dead does Paul's statement in our original reading today make sense. All things work together for the good for those who love God. When we live in Christ, we live in hope. And we live in, when we live in hope, we are truly free. One of my favorite poems of Emily Dickinson is her fanciful description of the delicate yet powerful nature of hope. She writes, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm." I've heard it in the chillest land and in the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Hope never asks a crumb of us. It just gives and gives and gives. And as Easter approaches, may it keep giving and giving to you the promise that all things work for the good in Jesus Christ amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. May God look upon you with mercy and give you hope. Amen.